boldness. To the boldness, my, my name's Phineas Midge, and joining me as he usually does every 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 uh, episode is Daniel. Uh, is Raphael Caleb. Hello. Well, hello, Finn. How are you doing tonight? I am doing, I'm do, doing very well. Now, before we get going, we should just say that the boldness is about not not just wait, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give you your human rights, but demanding them. So, what have we got coming up on today's on tonight's show, Raphael? Well, Finn, is it? We're doing a little bit of comedy tonight, like Daniel and Raphael. We are talking with Alistair Baldwin, who was the Raw State finalist in the 27 Comedy Festival. Wow. And that will be a very, very, very exciting interview. We do have Alistair in the studio. How are you doing, Alistair? I'm doing great today, guys. How are you doing today? We are doing very well. And before we actually start grilling you, we're going to... Do a little bit of a reading about a listener survey. We want to hear from you. 3CR is all about serving the community and we want to know your thoughts, comments and ideas to help shape our future. We're asking listeners to take part in a short online survey that will help us to get to know you better. The results of this survey will assist us in continuing to be the best possible station we can be in service of our valued community. To have your voice heard, head to 3cr.org.au slash survey and fill out the survey. Or for those without internet, call the station during business hours on 94198377 and we can conduct the survey over the phone. Now we've got Alistair. And Alistair, how did you get started in comedy? Uh, well, it's a funny story. I hope that it's funny, at least. Otherwise, I should get out of comedy. Um, but it actually started when I was in year 10 of high school. I went on a school camp, and there was a talent night section of the camp. And we all split into groups to do little comedy group sketches. And then after we were all done, there was sort of just a call out to see if anyone wanted to do anything else and I had always really enjoyed watching stand-up comedy and so I thought why don't I just try and do it and see if I can be funny and I kind of roasted a couple of the teachers, uh, made fun of the high school a bit and people were laughing and through that I thought maybe I should give stand-up a try and one of my teachers who I guess I roasted that night found the link to Class Clowns, which is a competition for high school students who want to get into stand-up. And he told me, you should try this. And I did, and it went well. And then I've sort of been on and off between school and uni doing stand-up for a couple of years, yeah. And the stand the, with the Class Clowns, that was back in 2012. And how do you actually start preparing your material is that the first skit you did okay it's about the school it's about the teachers but how do you find material to work with building on from that to build up a show that's a very interesting question i suppose it depends a lot of the time what your style of comedy is 
the comedy that I really enjoyed, especially at that age, was quite weird and absurd comedy. Um, so I really liked uh, the TV show The Mighty Boosh and stuff like that. That there was sort of weird stuff that didn't really make sense, but then I guess there were jokes around it. So I guess at that stage, I just sort of thought of, I don't know how it came to me, but my main bit for that Class Clowns competition was imagining a form of like pranking people uh, where you hide salmon in their room or in mysterious places. So I don't know, I must have been eating salmon the day that I was brainstorming my comedy, I think. Um, and I just thought, you know, it's sort of weird. There's all these prank shows like Punked. Um, and I just thought it would be weird to imagine a form of pranking that just wasn't very f clever. And in that way, maybe it could be, I don't know, kind of absurdly funny. Now, Alistair, has anyone described your comedy as lame? Uh, I describe my comedy as lame. I, um... Now, but what does that actually mean? Well, it's quite funny. I think lame, a lot of people don't know the, I suppose, original meaning of lame, which actually means um, someone who can't walk properly due to like injury or disability or something like that. And so you only really hear it, like sometimes you hear about lame horses, like racehorses who are injured and then they have to give up being racehorses. Or you hear about lame ducks, which is what some people call political candidates who aren't very good. Um, but most people use lame to sort of mean uncool or unfunny or unlikable. So I think it's fun to sort of play around with the idea of saying the word lame but then reminding people that, you know, it has its original roots in disability and that maybe using it, I think when you're using it, you should be mindful that, you know you're essentially saying, like, I guess the evolution of the world is, word is that disability was seen as uncool, disability is lame, lame is uncool, and now people don't really think about it, but, yeah. And we should probably um, just uh, take the opportunity to say, because p people out there um, can't see you as we can in the studio, do you identify as having a disability or...? I do, I do. I have a um, umbrella term uh, for it is congenital myopathy. So it's just a genetic muscle disease that I was born with. Um, it's sort of, it's a bit of a mystery thing as to what particular form of, whether it's a particular kind of muscular dystrophy or whatever, but essentially all of the muscles in my body don't work completely correctly. So... I guess one of the big, um, the biggest signs of that is that I wear leg braces in my everyday life. So I guess I'm relatively abled in the sense that I can walk, I suppose, but I guess it's all just about limitations and I guess a lot of people will see the leg braces and then make a lot of assumptions from there, which I guess people making assumptions is gold for comedy because jokes and comedy is all about subverting people's expectations and assumptions. So, Alistair, do you use your comedy to inform people about disability? I do. I definitely think um, 
I would say a lot of the jokes, certainly a lot of the jokes that I'm writing now are about disability and maybe some of the experiences that I've had because I think a lot of the time, for a lot of people, they don't really think about disability and when they do, they think about it as taboo or something like that. So I think it can actually be quite um, informative and transformative for an audience to... I guess, see a disabled person talking about disability and something like that and um, really just hearing about experiences that they might not think about as being weird or maybe wrong um, and guess kind of repositioning it. Like I, I sort of have a joke a little bit about how, um, you know, whenever someone... Uh, who is disabled gets asked to prom, it goes viral on BuzzFeed, which I think a lot of really well-meaning, able people share those kind of stories and be like, isn't that heartwarming or brave? But you sort of think about it a bit and a lot of the time it kind of rests on the assumption that, you know, it's a brave act to ask a disabled person on a date when really it should just be kind of normal and it's not like disabled people can be hot and worthy of people wanting to ask them out to prom. And there's three three of us in the studio now who are quite hot. Oh, yeah. It's <clears throat> steaming up in this um, recording studio. <laughs> Mate, well, it's kind of like this. I'm just like an unwrapped Egyptian mummy myself. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So Alistair has said, being, having a disability, it's kind of like it's kind of like it's very, very fashionable nowadays. It's very fashionable. Very, nowadays. very fashionable. <laughs> as I take ownership of my um, having being an Aspie, mm. short for being having Asperger's syndrome. I mean, what do you think of ableism? What do I think of ableism? I think it's lame. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I think, uh, well, it's bad, obviously. But I think the weird thing about ableism is that a lot of the time. I think I know a lot of people who don't even know that it's a word. I think it's a problem with when people think about disability that they're not really thinking about it in political terms. So they're just sort of thinking about it as this individual bad thing that happens to you and I guess society doesn't really play any role in some of the bad parts of having a disability when in actual fact I think... There's nothing inherently wrong with having a disability a lot of the time. Uh, and more often than not, it's, you know, the stigma that society attaches to it that is wrong. So I think ableism, I think it's important, the first step in addressing ableism is getting people to acknowledge that it is as much a form of political oppression as, you know, racism or sexism rather than just this medical thing that happens to you. What what role does comedy play in challenging ableism? Well, I think comedy historically has played such a powerful role against fighting all sorts of power structures and, you know, institutions, because I think a lot of comedy... In comedy, you sort of talk about stuff like punching up, which is sort of... It's about giving a platform to people who otherwise don't have a voice because I think a lot of the time you look at, you know, television or film and there's not nearly enough disabled people in positions of power 
And with comedy, a lot of the time, it's just that person and a microphone. So a lot of the barriers that sit between that person having this big voice are kind of stripped back, and it really is just this kind of honest way to communicate. And so I think comedy is amazing because you're sort of giving a voice to people who often don't have a voice. And I think the great thing about comedy too is that it's not so preachy as well. I think the great thing about telling something as a joke is that people are laughing so they don't feel like they're being given a lecture, which can often make people tune out. If you sort of package something in an entertaining way, uh, it often means that people pay a bit more attention. So if I sort of, you know, call out able-bodied people for maybe saying some rude things about my leg braces, but I say it in the form of a joke, I think people are more likely to pay attention and maybe more likely to remember that next time they see a disabled person in public and remember not to, you know, be um, be a bit of an asshole about it. <laughs> I like to say that one of the ways to actually make social change is actually uh, to use the arts. Comedy is one of those actually art forms. But more importantly is that if a person's got a disability, it's about maybe exceeding expectations what people can do. Talk us through this little path you took up that you made up to the 2017 State Finalist of Royal Comedy and National Competition. Tell us about this journey, how you actually prepared for this. Uh, well, it's a bit of a long story. I know that, I mean, Royal Comedy is a great competition and I think you look at some of the most amazing working comedians um, in this country and so many of them have come through Raw. So I definitely, as someone who loves comedy, I knew that I wanted to enter Raw. And so I knew specifically this year, I guess I'd been thinking about um, disability more and I guess people's assumptions more, um, but always through the lens of, I guess, how it could be funny. So in terms of me preparing for this, I guess when I initially started my process, I often have like a Google Docs um, just on my phone and on my computer. And so sometimes I'd be at work and then I'd just think of a joke and then I'd write it down. And so I'd been, I guess, accumulating a couple of jokes over a period of a couple of months. And then as Raw approached, I was like, can I sort of structure this together into a five-minute piece of stand-up comedy? And I was able to find a couple through lines. And then I did the first heat. And I actually didn't initially get through the first heat, but I did get um, wild-carded through... And I think what I really wanted to focus on um, going into the doing the preliminary and then after that doing the state final is that I wanted to make sure that I was improving myself each time or each stage of the competition. And so from the heat to the preliminary, I workshopped my material a lot. And then from the preliminary to the state, I workshopped my material a lot. And I think... One of the things that I sort of realised is that I also really wanted to focus on my um, performance, like not just the jokes that I had written, but my stage craft. And I think 
disability can be quite interesting because a lot of the ways it manifests is an interesting physicality and the way you your posture sits and the way you use your hands to express yourself can be a bit different. And so I think a lot of the time disabled people, I think, sometimes hide some of their weirder tics or quirks or postures just to kind of, I guess, dilute themselves and make themselves more palatable. But then doing this competition, I really made an effort to kind of, I guess, let the physical aspects of my disability shine through a bit more because it is a point of difference and I think one of the good things one of the good things you can do in comedy is do everything you can do to make sure you stand out from the crowd you're listening to 3CR 845am the boldness our guest tonight is Alistair Baldwin who's a a comedian about town Alistair what is, are there challenges in getting the audiences to to relate to you? You, you said before um, that you wanted to sort of become a little bit more physical and sh- and show disability in its tr- true colours. People interested to uh, are people interested or do they relate to you well on that sort of level? Well, I think it's quite interesting because. Maybe in everyday life um, it's a bit hard to do that, but I think comedy has the power to kind of unite people and make something that doesn't immediately seem relatable seem kind of relatable. And I actually think that I know a lot of disabled people who are very funny because I think one of the things that disabled people sort of have to learn to do is to use comedy to find common ground with people who otherwise might feel a bit distance, distant or might feel like they can't relate a lot. So, for example, I think a lot of my... Some of my jokes, I guess, are about me being disabled or, you know, I can't run properly or do sports, but I will sort of package that in... Um, the fact that maybe it's hard to relate to my dad because I can't do sports like he can, (laughs) and that's how men in this country show emotion. Um, Mm. So I think there's sort of always a way to find something which is a bit more universal um, through talking about disability because not everyone has a disability, but I think everyone at some point in their life has felt like they're different or has felt like someone was rude to them or like someone made an assumption about them that was incorrect it's, well, it's, it's interesting that we we often use um or at least i have as going back to a point you made before I, i've often used humor as a, as a defense mechanism um mm. just around um not necessarily making um for my own sake but more making other people f- feel comfortable around me and I often question myself and think, why did I actually feel the need to do that? And it was more because if I didn't do it, then somebody else would, the people I'm around would feel uncomfortable. So if yeah. I can make people feel at ease by making a joke of my disability, then it's easier for people to um, deal with it. Hello, my name is Adam Elliott and I'm the very overrated director of Harvey Crumpet and Mary Max. And you're listening to 3CR. And our guest tonight is Alistair 
Baldwin comedian. Now, before we went to that station announcement, I was asking a question. I, we were talking about defence mechanisms and disability. Is is, is this? I mean, obviously, we feel the need to put people at ease, and I've questioned myself about it. Is this something that people with disabilities often do? And what what do you feel that that's kind of informed your your comedy in a sense? I definitely think so. I think um, it's an unfortunate part of having a disability, um, but people often your I guess maybe the butt of other people's jokes and I think sometimes one of the most powerful things is to actually make the jokes yourself so that you're in control and you're sort of taking taking the power of that situation and controlling the um controlling the narrative around it like I sort of think you know often enough people will maybe look at me on public transport. I have a joke um, where I talk about someone coming up to me on public transport and pointing at my leg braces and asking what they're for. And I just say, attention, (laughs) I'm so glad they're working. Because (laughs) I think, and, you know, a lot of the time people do sort of maybe stare at me a bit more than they might stare at another person in public. And I think comedy, you're getting up on a stage for five minutes for people to stare at you. Like, you're really in charge of how people are staring at you, why people are staring at you, and I think that's incredibly powerful in a way to... Yeah, a defence mechanism, I suppose. Well, so that's a really good point that you said about taking ownership of what actually happens and controlling the dialogue. Last year, I did a workshop called Find the Funny, facilitated by Justine Sless, who is a professional comedian, and a big lesson of it was that the comedian might be the butt of the joke, but the comedian actually comes on top when they actually tell the story anyway. How would you actually use comedy to, let's say, negotiate your way through the heckler? Oh, the heckler. Well, I'm, I guess, very lucky. I I maybe don't gig as much as a lot of comedians. I haven't encountered too many hecklers in my time, but I think it's definitely... I think... Culturally, we don't see hecklers as good people. Unless the comedian is really bombing, the heckler is almost always the villain in the situation. And so I think it's easy to sort of... If you're pretty quick-witted about it and can shut down the heckler pretty fast, I think the audience can really rally behind you because at the end of the day, you're sort of... You've been given this time and this platform to tell some jokes and try and make people laugh and if someone's interrupting you they're kind of speaking over you which I think particularly in a disability context can happen a lot able people speaking over disabled people and so I think you know the ability to shut down a heckler I think is something that can translate into the broader world for disabled people as well where you know people are sort of speaking for us rather than giving us a platform and actually being able to stand up to them and say, uh, you're not being paid to be here, I am, uh, please be quiet. I think. Well, well, in a very, very general term, it's like, let's say, as a person with a disability, how do you find about if you're going to do a gig somewhere when it comes down to things like maybe accessibility? Mm. Accessibility, I think, is a really 
big issue in the comedy scene because, for instance, I mean, I'm certainly... When I'm wearing my leg braces, I can do um, stairs. Uh, Um, Dreaded stairs. Dreaded stairs. (laughs) Although there are some venues which are up... I mean, I don't want to be specific, but there are some venues which are up like three flights of stairs, which is just impossible. Mm. And certainly, you know, even some venues which are up a manageable amount of stairs for me when I'm wearing my leg braces, a lot of the time I don't particularly want to be performing in a venue where maybe I can get in, but maybe someone in a wheelchair can't get in, or maybe, you know, the future version of me, which maybe has more trouble with stairs, Um, can't get in. And so I think really making sure that... um, And accessibility in all sorts of ways. I think it's very good um, that, you know, a lot of comedians make sure they're doing an Auslan-interpreted version of their show. Um, But I think when you just look at general comedy nights, so few of those are interpreted and it can be a real barrier for, you know, deaf or hard of hearing people. A lot of... The com- comedians I've seen use Auslan as, um, or the interpreter almost becomes part of the act, and it's, mm. and it's like the you know the, the comedian is having f- fun making inappropriate signs and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, using inappropriate language. Just, um, I I guess I've I've always come come away thinking, well, how would how does a debt how does a deaf or hard of hearing person think about that? Because more or less, it it's, seems to be almost mocking their kind of, mm. you know, and and or mocking mocking them in a sense. And 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 you kind of come away thinking, well, is that, um, you, you know, they're just sort of taking the piss. They're not actually, you know, this is you know this is boring. We we have to we have to. We have to deal with Auslan all the time, guys. It's nothing new to us, but yeah. Yeah, it's definitely clear in those situations. And I have um, in the past seen comedians sort of, I guess, say dirty words yeah. or yes. like weird words um, just to see what the sign is. Yeah. But I think it's very clear that, that they're doing that for, you know, they're doing that for the hearing people in the audience mm. who aren't familiar with Auslan being like, isn't this funny and weird? Yeah. And so it's clear that even when they're doing an Auslan interpreted night, they're not. Maybe they're not thinking that they're doing it for deaf people. And you, yeah, you kind of think, well, probably deaf people are being given the, sh- you know, probably being given the shits and wondering, well, why did we pay to go and hear someone who's making fun of Auslan? So well, I said, look, I'm, yeah. I'm going to take it the other way around. She said, I know somebody who is learning Auslan, and. She has actually told me uh, people who are hearing impaired are some of the funniest people she has mm-hmm. ever come across in their lives. Because part of comedy, as Alistair rightly pointed out, it's not just using your voice, it's actually being able to use the gestures and come up with manoeuvres and mm-hmm. using your hands and contractions. And that's that little part about, is it politically correct or not politically correct? But in the end, I guess that with comedy, in the mm-hmm. end of the day, somebody or a group will be offended at almost anything that is actually said anyway. On a personal level, how do you deal when somebody actually maybe gives you... Have you had any negative feedback about what you've done, Alistair? Um, sometimes, although bizarrely, and I think this happens a lot, 
is that it's not necessarily disabled people, um, but able people who think they're being well-meaning and who are like, oh, you shouldn't talk about that or you should talk about it less or something like that. But actually speaking to disabled people, they're like, someone saying it, it is funny, these are the realities of being disabled. And I think at the end of the day, I don't really mind if able people get offended by it. <laughs> well, so thank you very much, Alice. How do people actually get in contact with you? It's just about that time, the end of the show. But, and well, we shouldn't probably ask you, have you any any upcoming gig, gigs you want to promote, Alistair? Well, um, you can contact me by following me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Baldwin Alistair. Uh, it's the library version of my name, so surname <laughs> first. Nice. And uh, I have an up g- upcoming gig, uh, Lemon Comedy. I can't remember the exact date, but it is a diversity-themed comedy night. It's going to have some great people in the lineup. I'll be there. Um, so if you follow me on Twitter, I'll tweet about it, and you'll be able to come. Fantastic. And just before you go, any any um, any d- disabled comedians at the at this year's comedy festival, what's left of it? Oh well, it's such a shame because I know that um, Liz Carr's assisted music, assisted suicide, the musical is over, yeah. which I think was uh, incredible. But yes, that was fantastic. Oh, that was fantastic. I went to that. Too. Yeah, definitely check her out <laughs> when she comes back. Any anyone else? Quickly. Um. Oh dear, you're putting me on, on the, the spot. spot. And oh. Um, I can't quite think. I know that there are a lot of um, comedians who are very frank and honest about um, dealing with um, mental illness and mm. stuff like that. And I would definitely say check out Hannah Gadsby's show. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you again for, for joining us tonight. Alistair, that was Alistair, or that still is because he's still in the studio and he's just about to take his headphones off. Uh, Alistair Baldwin, who is a... He's a comedian about town, so feel free to uh, feel free. Have a look at Alistair. Our time is almost up, Rafael. What are we going out on tonight? This is the 19th of April. We will be back in May on the third Wednesday month at 6 o'clock. Next up is Tamil Voices. Thank you very Tune much. In for Stay them. tuned. See you.